0: Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. This podcast will seek to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of my podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations where every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to you joining me on this journey toward a better understanding of each other. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening for common ground first. I am so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's see what my next guest has to say. Hi, Deborah Hamilton, host of Why Do Pets Matter, the podcast. I am here today with my good friend, Ian Hale, we met due to a connection between us and Jana Karina, who actually has a podcast earlier in this session. So go back and listen to her as well. So Ian, thank you so much for coming. I wanna introduce you fully because you are an incredible resource for anyone who has a family member who has autism or if they themselves have autism and are looking to learn more or get some online consultancy. So you have the autism consultancy, which is online. You can help people with neurodiversity uh, um, who are just looking for some independent information. You hail from Spain, so remember that time change, uh, but it is really an honor for you to be here with me.
1: And it's, it's a very great pleasure to to join you this evening and a, a, uh, an honor and a privilege to be able to reach out to America where I have so many uh, connections and, in, and indeed family roots as well so uh, it's a real pleasure to me as well and um, and to meet uh, Deborah here uh, probably for the first time.
0: I am so grateful that you were so wonderful to let me come. I want to add that my biggest delight is if you if you look up Ian on. Uh, LinkedIn, Ian Hale on LinkedIn, you're gonna see he's an author, he's a speaker and he's a poet. And one of the things that drew me to call him beside the fact that he has a wonderful online autism uh, program and um, consultancy group, uh, he uses animals in his poetry. And I think that really touches on the first question we always ask all of our uh, guests, Ian, why do pets matter to you?
1: Well, there's no one simple answer to that. Uh, I'm I'm very much of a cat person, although I like all animals. I have a little collection of hedgehogs here as well, which are fascinating, but actually quite vicious creatures at times. Um, It's very, very uh, interesting that they're as spiky in temperament as they are in coat. But uh, with the cats... Uh, and I have I have four cats. They're called uh, George, and Thor, and Pearl, and Gosh, never, I can never remember the name of the fourth one. Oh, Checkers, who's, who's the, the most recent addition? Um, but on the, on one level, uh, when I when I look at cats close to, and and sometimes from not so close to, and you see the detail of the fur, you see the detail, the way they, they sniff their behavior, the way their eyes work and everything else. Um, I find it a profoundly spiritual experience. I find that they provide a, a connection to the, uh, to the great spirit, the creator, um, Cosmic Consciousness, whatever terminology people feel most comfortable with. Um, I mean, for me, they are they are miracles in themselves. And and it's a, it's, it's a very calming, a very enlightening and a very sort of centering experience for me to be around them and, and to touch them. So that's that's one thing I find their behavior fascinating. Um, And they're individual characters because they are very much individual characters. For example, I I normally feed them about 10 o'clock in the evening. That's the evening feed. And uh, if I'm I'm like more than two minutes, I'm not exaggerating, two minutes, there are scratchings and tappings and very loud meowings like, Hey! services service is not today If it's an acceptable standard and so I really really get on to it and you know <laughs> uh, do that thing um, I mean to, to watch them climb trees for example and the, the extraordinary acrobatics and the, the, the miracle of them running the way their the way their uh, legs coordinate and and their habits for example with the food bowl they will never walk directly to to it and start eating they walk toward it and then they walk halfway around then halfway back and then they they sniff first and then they start to eat and i also feel there's a third thing i mean i could go on for hours on this but um i find cats to be wonderful teachers i i have learned so much uh both in general terms but also in terms of of autism. There's, there's a, a well-known book, I think it was written in the 1990s, called uh, All Cats Are Aspergers. And uh, it, it's a very good and very funny book. But you know what? There's a real core of truth there. I, I can I can see their, their, their behaviors and, and my behaviors. We, we, we connect very closely. And it's, it's very clear that they understand each other and indeed understand me. M- may I tell a little story from the past?
0: Oh, please do, because I have so many things I'm going to ask you, but I love stories, so they always take precedent.
1: Ah, uh, I, I was sitting in the living room one evening watching um, cricket on the television, and uh, it was summer evening, so the the door from the living room to the conservatory was open, and the conservatory door was open, and outside in the back garden, a fairly tall tree. I don't know what what kind of tree it was because I'm I'm not uh, I like trees, but I'm not on first name terms with them, you know. Yeah. Um, and one of our two cats that was um, that was out in the garden. Um, he loved to, he loved to climb trees. He loved to climb on the roof and, and all that kind of thing. Um, and anyway, he, he was up the tree, and uh, his his sister was. Uh, lying in the sun in the conservatory. And uh, after a little while, there there were very plaintive um, howls and meowings coming from the top of the tree. And that that was Timothy. Uh, And uh, the thing was, he was incredibly short-sighted. He would scramble up a 40-foot tree in in a few seconds, and then he'd sit at the top of the tree, look out over the... the, uh, area and uh, sit there for about 20 minutes looking around and sniffing and looking down at the ground and and looking at the birds flying past and, uh, and then he would want to come down because by then it was very nearly dinner time and uh, being so short-sighted he could never find his way down and the number of times I've had to put a ladder up against that tree to get him down I lost count of but the, the test match was a, a particularly interesting stage, the cricket. And um, he was howling away. I said, oh, Sandy, could you go and get your silly little brother, please? And she, she looked round at me, gave me a real <sighs> stare, got up, walked out through the conservatory door of the back garden, walked up to the tree, climbed up the tree, reached Timothy, smacked him round the ear,
0: as much as a big sister, right?
1: Yeah, though she was actually younger than him, eighteen months younger. But uh, she she then uh, turned round and pushed her tail out. Timothy took her tail out in his mouth, and she step by step led him down the tree until she got to the bottom. Smacked him across the ear again, and then went back to the conservatory to resume her evening nap. And um, Timothy came into the house.
0: <laughs> you know that is such a great story because it shows the um, well. First of all, you gave her the opportunity to show you she could do it. Um, he, of course, is probably like a number of the the clients who you consult with that they go up the tree and they don't think about um, mm. how to get down the tree. Right? It's a metaphor for all of us <coughs> who go up that tree and don't think about oh shiitake mushrooms how am i getting down out of this tree but then to have a sibling and i'm sure with everyone you work with at um, autism consultancy and the online consultancy the siblings definitely create that opportunity maybe for their siblings absolutely
1: right yes
0: so that story was such a great metaphor for what you do and and i always feel that animals do teach us so here you are you're watching the cricket game and, and then you're watching um your cat help your other cat um, navigate a new um, or or a better way <clears throat> than you climbing a tree uh, with a ladder to yeah. get down out of the tree. And that often happens I'm sure with your practice as well that uh, if you tell stories like this and you enable family members to figure this out, um, you know, why do pets matter? In your instance, maybe pets aren't part of your practice but the experiences you've had with pets help um, give you information and, and storytelling that could help your clients later on.
1: Very much so. And, you know, and I, I re- relate to, and then, uh, if it's appropriate, talk to my clients about, I mean, not everyone's an animal lover, obviously.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: regardless, yep. but, um, and
0: that's okay. Yeah, I just I, want to put that out there.
1: I will, uh, you know, I, I will when I'm talking to people and, and trying to help them find ways of of coping in difficult situations, or just informing them more about what neurodiversity is and what it isn't. You know, I mean, what it really is and the way it's portrayed on on television and in other media. Um, you know, is, is is very difficult, and it, it's a very complex subject. When, when I did my my master's degree um, in in special education. Uh, but in that, as I made it modular and I was studying genetics, uh, and hematology among other things, uh, as well as, uh, neurology, you know, at, at, master's level. So, um, if I, if I can introduce a slightly gory bit here.
0: Sure. Why not?
1: So I've, um, you know, I, I have obviously, uh, uh, examined quite a few brains on the table, so to speak, and uh, you, you can see the actual structural differences as, as well as the chemical ones, uh, as I've done by looking at MRIs and fMRIs when they're connected up to uh, EEG machines. And, and you can see the, uh, particularly if you use contrast with an fMRI, uh, you can see just how very um, different the neurodiverse brain is from the the neurotypical one and uh, it, it's not something you need a microscope for just just your own you know kind of standard we both wear glasses I notice but uh, it you know it would be it would be that clear you don't have to you don't have to touch or anything
0: yeah yeah you know it's to me when I when I think of neurodiversity I think of all of us having it um, because all of us are diverse um, neurologically, some yes. more, more pronounced than others, um, and often some with very pronounced neurodiversity are incredibly facile in other ways.
1: Oh, yes, very much so. I, I have a theory. Um, I'm going not really off topic, but every, every autistic uh, or Asperger's person that I've ever met um, has had a, a special affinity to animals and or nature in general. Um, rivers, streams, um, forests. Uh, I mean, I, I for one particularly, I love the sea and I, and I love deserts. Um, but uh, I suspect, and this is probably gonna be, this is probably gonna get me uh, not a great deal of credibility. But I suspect that the uh I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in spiritual things, as I think a lot of neurodiverse people are. Um, and we 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 talked earlier about the, the connection with animals and that. Um, I strongly suspect that in the in the, the Hopi Native American tradition and the uh Siberian shamanic tradition in in uh, Russia, I suspect that a lot of the, 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 the shamans, the, the medicine men, women were were probably neurodiverse. And uh, it was that that enabled them to, and they often used, they always dressed in, in animal skins, particularly the ones I've met in, in Russia, um, and used animal symbolism very greatly as a way of connecting to if I may say that the, the higher consciousness. So I, I think, and I think that our pets can help us do that. I, I certainly believe that. Uh, when I was much younger, I, I, we had a family dog, um, but, and I found that you know, you know, from a very early age, because so I was only about two or three when my parents got uh, raggy. Um, but also with 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 cats as well, I, I feel that 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 times they connect me to the earth and to the natural world, and a lot of times, um, I think they they uh, act almost as messengers, if you will, or intermediaries or telephone wires to you know to um higher planes of, uh, of spiritual awareness.
0: And I don't think that's off topic at all, uh, Ian, because... and, em- and empathy,
1: I might add, too.
0: So, so it's it's not off topic at all because. In, in Why Do Pets Matter, um, most of my guests like you have found themselves finding that spiritual piece that pets bring to them. Um, in your practice, you've observed uh, that the affinity toward animals and nature of your clients is almost 100% across the board. And it may not be scientific, but it's an observational thing. And yes. You know I find observations uh, to be sometimes more well rooted in fact uh, than you know studies because yes. sometimes studies are um, maybe not the right words used but sanitized, and so you don't get what you see what you see when when these children um, or adults uh, matriculate with animals and I know that you and I spoke before about how animals um, can often. Ground us, but they can also, I think, in your experience, ground um, people with different disorders on the you know neurological spectrum.
1: Yes, and, and indeed on the physical one, it's been shown that that uh, many many scientific studies around the world, as well as experiential ones, as, as you're saying, that uh, uh, stroking a, a cat or a dog or a rabbit or whatever. Um, stimulates the brain to produce endorphins, the the happy chemical, um, and also reduces blood pressure uh, in people who have hypertension. So you know I'm I'm looking at this from you know obviously from a personal perspective, being being aspergeous myself. Um, severely by the way. I want people to know that, so I really do have the empathy there. Um, but also from you know from having a, a background in medicine, from having a, a background as um, I, I trained when I left school as a laboratory uh, chemist, analytical chemist. Um, so I, I when I when I discuss this, I, I'm I'm bringing a.
0: A personal
1: and professional spin. Yeah, on it. a professional and um, you know, professor. I was a professor at a university in, in the UK for a year. Then I did a research fellowship, which I discussed with the the SEND. Though I had a lot to do with special education before then. Uh, so you know, I'm, 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 I bring together a great deal of of different disciplines that I've not only experienced obviously and it continue to do so at a, you know whatever level, but uh, also from a, a scientific and, a, and an academic level as well. You know, on top of that, adding all my teaching experience, both to neurodiverse and and, and neurotypical people. um You know, it's it's a very broad perspective, and uh, again, I find animals can be. You know, at times you've got like a million thoughts in your head and they're all coming from these different places. You know, you're you're trying to think scientifically, but you're also trying to think in in empathic terms as well. Um, There are times when, you know, that one of the cats will come up and just meow at me. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. It really is like a little metaphor here. It's like, um, like emptying the recycle bin on a computer absolutely they they really remind you of the now i mean for mindful to to teach you mindfulness um i can't imagine a better teacher than than an animal of some nature or indeed fish you know i very like very much like fish they they really do put you in the in the right now and that's a wonderful gift
0: you know you're you're talking to the choir here because i think that my dogs i have dogs um most of the podcast listeners know that i have Irish setters but they keep me grounded um they really as yours do uh come to me i think when they feel i need them to and i'm sure that you feel the same way
1: yes yes very much so
0: you don't know you need them uh but they know you need them And they come to you and and sometimes it's annoying, like in the middle of one of my podcasts, if my dog Junie jumps up and makes a lot of noise, I'm like, "Ah." but he must really understand that, you know, you've been working all day, you need to take a break, wrap it up, let's go out. And I know that we spoke about this, but in your practice, um, the ability to hear that, especially since it's online, uh, with your clients is probably enhanced by your... By the fact that you're able to hear that and experience that from your pets, and your yes. own experience with Aspergers and neurodiversity,
1: yeah, very, very much so. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that the animals can sense your your inner feelings, and and one of the things that that uh, neurodiverse people aren't necessarily very good at, and I, I'm I'm not saying all by any means, but. Um, Sometimes we don't, we don't know what we're feeling, either at a physical or an emotional level. And um, at, at times your, your animal will, in some strange, I don't know how they do it, way communicate to you how you feel. That they will know how you feel better than you know how you feel sometimes. It's called alexithymia to give it its, its technical term, the, um, the inability to either understand or to express uh, one's feelings at any particular moment,
0: and not and, being able um, to do that. Cat- the Animals assist them in doing that, or or at least exi- a- a- assist them in being one hundred percent feeling.
1: A- absolutely, a hundred percent, more than assist. I'm not sure what, what the word I want to use here is, but uh, there are times when they're very insistent as well. That hey, listen to me,
0: yeah,
1: and you know. They, they really do they really do know and i've not in the ones that i've had but um, you know animals that that uh, that I know other people have a, a friend of mine has a a pet ferret and it's an extraordinarily, um, you know uh, good and close relationship and uh, you know it's it's uh It's wonderful wonderful to see as well as to experience. It's wonderful to know that other people are having that um, connection.
0: You are absolutely, you're so reading my mind, I'm sort of a little worried. Um, (laughs) That's probably your magnificence um, since you do this online. I was thinking about how wonderful it is to hear someone or see someone enjoying their pet because I actually get good endorphins when I see that as well. When people talk about their pets or people yeah. are petting their pets or walking with their pets, I get those endorphins as well. And in fact, sometimes I miss my pets if I'm not walking my pets at the time.
1: Yes. And of course, there are also fantastic ways of, of you know, one of the things that we have as autistic people is, you know, the, the, the social uh, interaction problem. But uh, you know having, a, having a, an animal, particularly a dog, you know, you go out for a walk and there's no way you're not going to meet another dog owner on the way if it's anything like a decent walk. And again, the animal acts as a as the medium of communication. Um, and again, the number of conversations I've had with people about cats over the years, um, you know, I could, I could uh, count with, oh, you know, you like cats too, yeah, right. And you can make a friend for life that way sometimes. And that's, I'm not exaggerating. I really mean that.
0: You, you're absolutely right. So dog people are friends for life. Cat people are friends for life. And now that I have both, since I have a grand kitty, I'm sort of crossing over to the dark side of, you know, cat loving. And I love it. Uh, I might have to give my husband some antihistamines and get one myself. I'm uh, We're coming to the end of the time, which really upsets me greatly. But, uh, you know. Ian, this has been such an incredible discussion. I love um, that you pointed out that people with neurodiversity often have a strong affinity toward animals and nature to begin with. Um, They really are a bit more spiritual. You spoke about the Hopis and the shamans, my favorites, because they really did um, thank the earth and the sky uh, for all the good things that occurred to them, and now that we're in the middle of covid we're thanking the earth and the sky for keeping us safe, and aren't we um, cleaning up the waters and the air because we're all sheltering in place so that's the good thing and the third thing is you know here we are they have this ability, and we often don't um thank our pets uh, for keeping us grounded and keeping us in the here and now and mindful.
1: True Gr- Gratitude is a, a very important thing. And uh, it's not always one of the strongest suits that uh, neurodiverse people have.
0: And, and that's, that's something I would love for you if you would, because I think that this is going to be one of my top podcasts, because for me it's one of my top podcasts right now, because I am <laughs> so in tune with this, because animals... You know, when people are in conflict over animals, sometimes those animals are emotional support animals that are out in the world helping people matriculate. They're service animals, which of course have a greater um, respect and responsibility out in the real world because they do a service. Um, And then there's just the general pet or the therapy dog that comes in and helps people as his job or her job. So I would love, can can we touch base in a few weeks so that we can carry on this conversation? I hope to, I
1: would very much like to.
0: Well, great. Ian, thank you so much. You have given us so much depth and insight into, first of all, your love of cats, um, and then how those cats can sometimes assist you in seeing things with clients and also how clients see animals in their lives can sometimes give you a picture or or a window into their experiences, which is, is so wonderful. So thank you. This is Dr. Ian Hale, my my new best friend. I love him to pieces. He has an online consultancy that you can reach either by friending him on LinkedIn or going to um, Autism Consultancy or online Autism Consultancy uh, so that you can speak with him about animals if you'd like, uh, but mostly he would love to help you if you need him or maybe if someone in your family needs him because he is really a delight. Ian, thank you so much. As a quick
1: note, I'm also available on Facebook, which is where I do probably the majority of it. So LinkedIn, Facebook are are the two main ways of getting a hold of me.
0: Well, I'm going to have to friend you on Facebook then because we got connected on LinkedIn. So I'm going to, after this podcast uh, ends, I'm going to go f- friend you on Facebook. Um, this That'd is be De- great. I
1: look forward to it.
0: This is Deborah Hamilton, um, Why Do Pets Matter podcast host. Thank you all for listening. And please come back next week for our next edition of Why Do Pets Matter. You've been listening to the podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. Do you have a great idea or guest or topic that you'd like me to cover? Write me at hamiltonlawandmediation.com or email me at whydopetsmatterpodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, our pets do matter. Thank you for being here with me.